That's a, all right, I see a sound guy up there now. Thank you. I think we've, we've uh, in good shape. Let, let, me, let me get this on right. We're in Ezekiel chapter 47. So you can be turning there, Ezekiel chapter 47. So we think about the river of revivals. Uh, and the river of revival in our hearts. Ezekiel chapter 47. Uh, I don't know about you, but I, I long for revival. And uh, uh, that's the only thing I think that's going to preserve this nation, is if that we have a revival. Uh, I don't know that, uh, and I'm not talking about just some services. Everybody talks about, well, we had a revival no, we just had some services, uh, but if we need an old-fashioned revival, something that's going to change lives and attitudes. We're living in a dry and a barren time, and, and of course, the book of Ezekiel, you could just pick any of them there. My favorite is those dry bones coming to life, uh, but, uh, but we're not going to do that tonight. We're looking at Ezekiel chapter 47. A guy, a pastor was trying to get a man to come to church, and the man had been hanging out of church, and the pastor said, why don't you attend? He said, well, the children are having difficulty at school. And he said, well, uh, uh, and my wife's not been feeling well. And he said, it's rained every Sunday. It just rains and rains. And the, the minister said, uh, well, it's dry at the church. And he said, I know, that's another reason I don't go either, because it's dry. Uh, man, God help us to not be dry. Uh, help us to be excited. Now, Ezekiel 47 is a symbolic chapter and wonderfully, uh, beautifully colored by the Holy Spirit, I think, to remind us what revival and the river of revival is all about. Don't forget, if you've got your smartphone or whatever, you can get the notes from this. It's under there, under uh, the sermon notes, uh, so you can follow along with us. Uh, Ezekiel is having a vision, beginning in verse 1. He said, afterward, he brought me again under the door of the house. And when he says the house, now he's talking about the holy temple. And behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward. Now, you see that little trickle that's running out from under the door. I tell you, one of the most horrific days of my life was I drove up to the church. It's been probably 30 years ago. And I looked, and there was water trickling out from under the front door. And I remembered that I had turned the baptistry on and had forgotten to turn it off. And, uh, man, you talk about a mess. Uh, it's not flooding out. The water's just trickling out under the door. And uh, uh, for the forefront of the house stood toward the east, and the waters came down from under the right side of the house at the south side of the altar. Then brought he me out of the way of the gate northward. That is, uh, the, the gate that's on the north side. He led me about the way uh, without under the utter gate by the way that looketh eastward. Uh, and behold, there ran out waters on the right side. And when the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits, and he brought me through the waters. The waters were to the ankles. Again, he measured a thousand and he brought me through the waters, and the waters to the knees. Again, he measured a thousand. He brought me to the waters. They were to the loins, or that just to the waist. And afterward, he measured a thousand. And it was a river that I could not pass over, for the waters were risen 
waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. And he said, Son of man, hast thou seen this? Then he brought me and caused me to return to the brink of the river. Now we'll, we'll kind of refer to on through verse 12, but we'll stop reading there. What a, what a story. You say, what in the world does all this speak of? It speaks of revival, of revival. We're reminded of a couple of things here. The house that he's speaking of is the temple. And flowing out of the temple comes a river. Now, what does that mean for us who lives here and the, for the, those of us today? Well, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. We're the temple. Uh, you know you're not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Uh, the Old Testament, we've re referred to it before. God had a temple for his people. In the New Testament, God has a people for his temple. It's, it's completely reversed. So we become the temple of God. Now, the river we're seeing here, temple is the, uh, the, the, the house is the temple. And the river we're seeing here is the Holy Spirit. It's a picture in the Old Testament of a flowing river. And uh, that river represents the Holy Spirit of God. Now, just in your margin, you can put down there John 7, uh, 37 through 39. This is what it says. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Out of the temple is going to flow a river of living water. Now, it speaks of, verse 39, but this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So when Jesus went up, the Spirit came down. Remember, that's why Jesus said, I know you want me to stay here with you, but it benefits you. It'll be for your benefit if I go. Because if I go, then the Holy Spirit comes down. Jesus could be at one place at one time. The Holy Spirit can be every place all the time. So we are benefited by having the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We're his temple, and he wants a river of revival to be flowing out of us. Now, don't miss this. A spirit-filled man or a spirit-filled woman ought to be a river of revival. It ought to be flowing out of us. Uh, the, you, you, you could get water, used to be, and I've never had this, but some of y'all have. I've seen it, and I've worked them, and I've had a part of it, but I've never had to live with it. But there were generally two ways that you could get water in the old days. One of them was called an artesian well. You could go down, and literally, you would hit a river of water, and you didn't need a pump or anything. Man, the water just sprang out. It was an artesian well. It just kind of sprang out. But there was another way you could get water, too, and that's what most people had to do. It was called a pitcher pump. And you had this pitcher there with some water, and you had to prime that pump. Anybody here remember those pumps? And you had to whoom and prime that pump, you know, and everything. And, uh, and so the illustration here is between what kind of Christian are you? Are you the kind of river, a Christian where a river is just flowing out of you? Or are you one of those who's got to be pumped every time you turn around? I mean, you know, because I want to tell you something with that old pump, you know, you think, well, I got her pumped. I got her going. Well, you better not stop because the moment you stop, you had to prime that pump all over again. See, and that's the way a lot of Christians are. 
Well, we need you to do this. So you pump them up, man. You got to pump them up. And they get in there and they do that. And then, one, then two weeks later, you got to pump them up again. You got to pump it up again. And, and that's not the kind of Christian God says he wants us to be. Out of our belly shall flow rivers of living water, he said. We ought to be an artesian well of the Holy Ghost of God. I mean, we just ought to walk into a room. People say, whoo, something happening in here. And it's not that we're making it happen. It's because of the one who lives within us. Uh, man, uh, I better get off of that. I'm going to get in trouble. Uh, we, we need to be the, the river of living water. Now, how do you, and I, I've got seven things here of how you can be, what happens when the river of revival flows? What happens? Number one is this. This is so neat. I've never seen this before. Uh, the river of revival is a holy flow. Now you say, what do you mean by that? Well, look at verse one. This river is flowing right past the altar at the south side of the altar. You say, what does that mean for us, preacher? I'll tell you what it means. It means that spiritual renewal always begins at the altar. It don't begin in the music service. It don't begin in the preaching service. Spiritual renewal, a river of life, begins at the altar. That's where it always begins, always. Dr. John Bassanio said many years ago that you'll never be more for God in public than you are with God in private. Now, I know a lot of guys, and we like to be show-offs, and we like to be big shots and all of that, and we like to do it in public. Where everything, Woo, wasn't that great? But I want to tell you something. I know a very few that really just get in their prayer closet and say, God, I, I need this. I, I, want to, I want to hear from you. God, I want to hear from you. I had a, a preacher one time tell me, I've always been scared to do it, so I never have done it, never have done it. Uh, but he, he did it. Uh, he just flat said, if I get with God and God don't give me a message, I just get up and tell the church, go on home, we don't have a message. I thought, well, boy, the churches I live in, they'd run you out of town if you didn't, you know. They don't want you to preach too long, but they at least want you to give them a little devotional thought or something, you know. Uh, and by the way, old uh, Rock just kept apologizing and apologizing. And he said, really, it's your people's fault. Uh, he said, they just, uh, just kept on me, and I just was having such a good time. I know I went way too long. But he said, I was having so much fun Monday night, I just couldn't, I couldn't cut it off. And I said, well, you know, they got what they deserved then, all right? Uh, but, uh, uh, but, the, but the spiritual renewal always begins at the altar. In the Old Testament, every altar was a prophecy and a picture of the cross of Christ. None of that had happened yet. That was still in the future. That was still in the future. God doesn't release his power to unclean vessels. He doesn't do it. He just will not release his power to unclean vessels. Now, here's the, 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 the standard. It's the cross. Uh, uh, when we, so, so the river of revival is a holy flow. Uh, you want power in your life? I'm going to tell you, if there's unconfessed, unrepented sin in your life, there'll be no power in your life. Uh, I, I know of preachers, I don't know how they do it. I mean, I mean, you hear these guys that had an affair and all of this stuff. I, I can't even be mad at my wife and preach. It, 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 I have to get right with her and, before I ever even preach. 
We don't need to be trying to serve the Lord with unconfessed sin in our hearts and lives because that's not going to be the power of God. Uh, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, now maybe I'm preaching too wrong. I'm, I'm just, maybe my philosophy's wrong. But I think if we're not careful, we get the idea that everybody sins. Amen? I mean, do you agree with that, huh? Romans says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all sin. So we kind of get the idea, you know, we're just going to have to put up with sin because we have to, because everybody sins. Well, there's only one problem with that. He said in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I'm just telling you, when we come into the house of God, the first thing we need to do is confess our sins. You say, well, and I'll be, I say, well, preacher, all I do is confess my sin. That's all I do. Well, bless God, that better be what you do. Because that's how God releases you, and that's how God cleanses you when you confess your sins. So uh, we, we, we have this idea that we can all going to live in a little bit of sin. This one's mine. This one over here is hers. And, and, and I want to tell you, when you flow past the altar, that sin's got to be dealt with. That sin's got to be dealt with. So it's a holy flow. Then secondly, it's a humble flow. Humble flow. It comes from underneath the threshold. That's about as low as you can get. Uh, You know, you can't walk under the door. You just can't do it. Uh, I know you, I've seen some of you on your pictures over in Mexico where you're doing the, what do you call that thing where you go under the, yeah, whatever that thing is, but you can't get low enough to get under the door. I'm talking when you get down under the threshold of a door, folks, I want to tell you, you're as low as you can get. And revival starts when God's people get on their face before him, crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. None of us uh, are in the place where we cannot be used unless we're too big to be used. I, I've, I've seen people who are too big to be used. They just thought a little bit more of themselves. And, but, but I want to tell you something. I've never met anybody who was too small for God to use them. Never. I mean, the, the, when they would humble themselves, they'd say, well, he's just, you know, God can't use him. Yeah, God gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud. He takes ordinary people, just plain ordinary people, sends them on a mission trip. God does great wonders with them. And just openly just blesses them. And they say, wow. When the Holy Spirit falls, you remember on the day of Pentecost, the people looked at them and said, uh, are not all of these Galileans? Now, do you know what that means? That In our term, that would mean, aren't these just country bumpkins up in here? Aren't these just rednecks? And yet it was obvious they had been with God. See, that's, that's when you're low enough for God to use you. So the flow of the Holy Spirit is a, is a holy flow. It's also <clears throat> an humble flow, but it's also <laughs> a heated flow. It comes from the south side of the altar, and that's the sunny side of the altar. Uh, and uh, I, I want to tell you what I, I've just discovered in my life. I, I'm just I'm shooting straight with you tonight. After almost 47 years in the ministry, I, I believe with all my heart, that people who end up in church that don't have a radiant a smile, a good spirit, a good attitude, 
do more damage to the kingdom of God than the biggest dope dealer down here in Longview. I believe that. I mean, let me tell you something. When, when people come into this place, and I know I, I have people tell me that, and, but I also, also I have people, I had one here a lot long ago, say, I visited your church, nobody ever spoke to me. I said, well, I'm sorry. I, you know, I guess they're too busy speaking to everybody else. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I look around, and I can't get them to shut up. Uh, we, you know, Aaron says, we got to move this a little faster. We got to move it. I said, well, you tell me how to do it, man. They're shaking hands and having a great time fellowshipping together and everything. But I want to tell you, there ought to be a radiant, warm love for Jesus. Don't, don't look down your nose at people who are living in sin when you won't even be excited because Jesus died on the cross for you. So it ought to be a warm, uh, when people come into this church, they ought to see the warmth of God's love. Uh, Scottish poet, very famous, Bobby Burns, came into church one time and he was dejected and needed some help, needed a blessing. The people, my soul, uh, he went in this little crowd there and it looked like the church of the Holy Refrigerator where Pastor Jack Frost was a pastor there. And, and you know, you, you can almost ice skate down the aisle of that thing. And Bobby Burns sat there in the song service sounded, he said, like a couple of calves dying in a hail storm. And, and, and man, it was just nobody spoke to him. And uh, he picked up a hymnal and he wrote in the hymnal. He said, as cold a wind as ever blew, as cold a church and in it but few, as cold a minister as ever spake, ye all be hot air ere I come back. Now they found that in a hymnal later on where that famous poet had written that. They didn't even know he'd been there. And I want to tell you, Man, we need to make sure that when people come to this church that we welcome them, and I don't care what color they are. I don't care how rich they are. I don't care what kind of clothes they got on as long as they got some on, bless God. Don't come up in here without enough clothes on to bridle a mule, but if they've got clothes on, you make them feel welcome in this church. This church is the, is the place where bad people need to be. Everyone, while somebody said, well, Man, I, after they did what they did, I looked out there and saw them in church. Well, what better place are, is it for them? This is the place where God might could get a hold of them and maybe could get a hold of, uh, of us. Now, I'm not talking about uh, being wild-eyed and, and super emotional and, and all of that stuff, but I'm, what I'm telling you to do is let the joy of the Lord flow out of you. Be excited about it. Be excited about it. Then, then it's a hard sweeping flow the fourth thing is verse 2 says he brought me out of the way of the gate northward and led me about the way without under the utter gate by that which looketh eastward and behold there ran out waters on the right side it's a sweeping flow there uh yeah a river's an interesting thing you can't you can't hardly stop a river in fact you've got to go to the source of it in order to you know dam it up to stop it there and I want to tell you something. If the source of your river is the Holy Spirit of God, the devil's not going to stop your river up. If God is your source, now if, if you're, if, I would just tell you, if coming to this church and listening to this choir is your source, you're going to get stopped up. If listening to your Sunday school teacher is your source, that's where you get, you're going to get stopped up. If listening to some preacher is your source, you're going to get stopped up. If listening to some television evangelist is your source, you're going to get stopped up. But I want to tell you, when God Almighty is your source, ain't nobody going to stop you up. 
He's going to flow. He's going to do his work in you. I'll never forget. Uh, the, well, well, I shouldn't tell this, but he, I had this pastor friend down in Port Natchez, and he was wanting to have an old-fashioned uh, service, and he was going to baptize out in the Natchez River. And uh, he was a doctor, had a Ph.D., a lot smarter uh, than I am, you know. I mean, he was smart, taught in college and everything. And he was going to baptize. I said, uh, Doc, uh, I know this is a Natchez River. He said, it's a Natchez River. And I mean, you know, being baptized in Natchez. I said, I know it's a Natchez River, but remember, th th this Natchez River here is also the ship channel. You know, between, between the Gulf of Mexico and Beaumont where those big ships come. I'm talking big ships, oil tankers and everything. And I said, this is not your typical river. You, you, you can go down here to Nacogdoches or Lufkin uh, and cross the Natchez River and not have any problem. But this thing's not the Natchez River. Well, he wouldn't. He said, it's under control. Let me tell you. It was written up in the paper. The news was there. They got all of it on video and everything. He liked to drown. He stepped out on that boat ramp down there in that Natchez River and then that ship channel, and that thing dropped off to about 50 feet just right off the bat. And they liked to never got him out of that thing. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking, oh, well, you know. But anyway, they're easing out in the river. It's a sweeping flow. Uh, uh, it's... It, uh, I want to tell you, when, when Woodland Hills really gets a hold of the Holy Spirit of God at the altar of God, nothing's going to stop this church. And it hasn't got anything to do with the church. It's the God that we represent. You say, well, what makes Woodland Hills any different from any other church? Nothing, except where we get the source from. That's it. You know, I mean, you, you honestly, you can do gimmicks and everything and you can reach people. People are emotional. I mean, you can reach people. Uh, and we may try a gimmick or two. I was thinking today, uh, early this morning, about 4.30, I woke up and I thought, you know, we haven't had an old-fashioned red-blue campaign. You, you remember those things from old days where you had to, part of the church was red, part of the church was blue, and you all fought each other for a month and spit on each other and everything and tried to get visitors to come and just had an old-fashioned knockdown drag out. You know, that'd be fun, wouldn't it? We haven't done one of those things in a long time. We may do one of those things. I don't know. But I want to just tell you, uh, I've understood this, that whatever you build your church on, you better continue it. If you build it on Kool-Aid and cookies, you better have Kool-Aid and cookies every week. And they better not be no store-bought cookies. They better be good cookies. Amen? You build it on the Word of God, and you build it on gospel music, and I'll tell you, when gospel music is presented and the Word of God is presented, it'll bless people's hearts. That's what they came looking for. That's what they're here for. Well, it's also a high-rising flow. Uh, verse 3 through 5, it, as the river flows, it gets deeper and deeper and wider and wider, and that's what we want in our life. See, the problem is most folk are a half a mile wide and a half inch deep. But, the, but he says, we went out there a thousand cubic and the water was up to our ankles. I said, well, go on another thousand. And he went on another thousand and it was up to our, our knees. And he went another thousand and it's plumb up to our waist. He went another thousand and he said, the river was so swift, you couldn't even cross it. 
Now, not only is it enough to widen the scope of our spiritual life, we've got to be deep also. We've got to have deep. Remember that old song we used to sing? Deep and wide, deep and wide. There's a fountain flowing deep and wide. Boy, doesn't that bring back some old memories there? Deep and wide. Listen, I want, I want God to do something in this church and through us that cannot be ignored. Other, you may have ignored that uh, river coming out of that little temple there and uh, that little threshold there. But I want to tell you, when you get out there in the middle of that thing and it's, it's flowing so fast you can't even get across, you can't ignore that. You can't ignore that. Uh, I, I want to be a growing pastor. I don't think a preacher ever ought to get to the time where he doesn't grow. He doesn't grow. I mean, I'm open to learning new stuff all the time. And we ought to be like that. Uh, I don't want, uh, and and I want to tell you, I'll just be honest with you, I I have nightmares over this because I don't want to become a professional pastor. And yet, I'll, I'll have another conference in Atlanta, Georgia, the middle of September, and, and every one of them tell you the same thing. Your church is large enough where you've got to quit doing all this stuff. I said, I don't want to quit doing all this stuff. I don't want to quit going to hospitals. Oh, you've got to have other people go to the hospital. We've got other people go to the hospital, but this is East Texas. Clark, what's the first thing they say when you go in the hospital? Where's the preacher? Huh? I mean, I want to be there, and I know I'm limited to what I can, but I don't want to come to a place where we become so professional here that we're in, you've got to have an appointment to get to somebody here. Good grief. That's just hogwash. Man, we're part of the family of God. And if you got a problem, I need to know what your problem is. That's one of the big problems we got here. The preacher's usually the last one to know about a problem. Well... Let me tell you this, it's not only high rising, it's a health-giving flow also. Verses 6 through 9, it's interesting here about the health. He said unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen this? And he brought me and caused me to return to the brink of the river. When I'd returned, behold, at the bank of the river were very many trees on the other side and on the other. And then he said unto me, These waters issue out toward the east country. Uh, and you know, if, you're, if you've been to Israel, he's talking about the desert here. You've been down there to the desert. That's the east country between Jerusalem and the Dead Sea. And go down into the desert and go into the deep, into the sea, the Dead Sea, which being brought forth into the sea, the water shall be healed, and it shall come to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth, whithersoever the rivers shall come, shall live. Now that's a health-giving flow. Let me tell you, it's healthy when the Holy Spirit can be free. When the rivers of water are flowing out of us, that's a healthy thing. Someone has said, where the rivers, where the waters go, the trees will grow. Where the trees grow, the fruit will show. And where the fruit will show, the health will glow. <laughs> that's just the way. You know, I, I, you see these uh, trees. Man, we've got three crepe myrtles over here. Uh, in my in our front yard they've been planted nine years there and i cannot get them things to grow they won't bloom like they're supposed to they look like death warmed over i really want to just mow them down uh, but i'm sure there's something i need to do to get them to do and then i i go out back here and build a little pond back there and trees just grow around that water just you can't keep them cut down they just spring up and they grow 
Why is that? Because the water is the life flow. And the Holy Spirit, the river that's flowing out of us, is the life flow. You want to know what helps this church to grow? It's when your life is overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to tell you, anybody who comes here expects the preacher to halfway preach a good sermon. I mean, if you can't preach a good sermon, you really ought to go home and just quit. Especially after the kind of music we got. And then if anybody comes here, they expect the choir to sing good music. That's all expected. Anybody here come Sunday saying, well, I know it won't probably be very good, but we'll try to endure through it. I ain't never heard nobody say that around here. They expect the choir to be good. They expect the music to be good. They expect the preaching to be good. They expect the spirit. But I want to tell you, what blows people's mind is when people out here in the pew are praising the Lord and the river of the Holy Spirit is flowing out of them. People looking around say, well, we pay the preacher. He's supposed to be happy. But them old boys out there, they're happy and they're not getting paid. In fact, he's talking to them like a dog and they're still sitting there happy. What's wrong with this picture? <laughs> That's the river of the Holy Spirit. Uh, they're, 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 the trees that are growing by this river are leaves for the healing nation. Galatians 5.22 talks about it. I want to tell you, you can tell the difference where the river's flowing and where the river's not flowing. You can tell the difference. I, uh, man, that foundation's so important. I remember several years ago, we built a new auditorium in Port Natchez, and we had a sidewalk there. And I just, I was, I said, look, man, we've toyed with this long enough. Just put about six or eight inches of dirt over it and we'll plant grass and nobody would never know the sidewalk's there. And you wouldn't about eight months out of the year. But boy, during them summer months, you could see the outline of that sidewalk just clear as if it was right there. We, we end up having to dig it up because it, it, the grass wouldn't grow over it during like that. You can tell the difference where the river flows and where the river does not flow. Let me give you this last thing. It's a harvest calling flow. This is, it, verse 9 says, There shall be a great multitude of fish, because these waters shall come there, for they shall be healed, and everything shall live whither the river cometh, and it shall come to pass that the fishers shall stand upon it from Engedi, even unto Engelang, and they shall be a place to spread forth nets, their fish shall be according to their kinds, as the fish of the great sea, exceeding many. Now, the Lord called us to be fishers of men. He said, you come follow me, and I'll make you to become fishers of men. He took a bunch of old crusty fishermen that were fishing for fish, and he turned them around and let them fish for men. Wouldn't, wouldn't, you, wouldn't you like to have a river of revival flowing out of you? Where you say, come in one Sunday and say, preacher, I caught a big one this week. Man, God led me right to him there. And I was able to share the message of salvation with him. And I'll tell you what, wow, I reeled him in. It, it was a big one. You see, there's something very attractive about this river of revival. Uh, you, you, you just want to stand on the banks and say, I got a big one. I got a big one. That's the river of revival flowing through you. Now, what is, what, what is the secret to this? Because I want to tell you, I believe it refers back to John 7, 37. 
He said, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. Out of his belly or out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Now, the, the passage in John 7 says this, As the Scripture saith, look it up, as the Scripture saith. Well, I want to tell you, I've looked all over this Scripture. The Scripture don't say that. So that means it's got to be referring to something that's not word for word like it. I believe John 7, 37 is in direct re reference to Ezekiel 47. That river of revival that's flowing. Now the deal today is, are you an artesian pump? Or are you one of these pitcher pumps? Mm. Let's pump it. Is your life a life that comes past the altar just over the threshold because you're that low? Is your life sweeping now, getting deeper and wider and wider and deeper and the fruit of the Spirit showing in your life? Or are you still reliving the same conversion experience you had 50 years ago, still talking about the thing that happened to you then? Nothing wrong with that. You need to remember that. You need to know that. But I want to tell you, if you're going to have a river of revival, we need to know what's happening today in your life. What did God use you today to further the kingdom of God? Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Now, here's the deal. Here's the, I've been, been thinking about this all day long. There's a difference between being thirsty and being empty. My truck gets empty. But it ain't never been thirsty. It can get empty. I'm not asking you tonight, are you empty? I'm asking you tonight, are you thirsty? So I want to tell you a little secret. <laughs> you have all of God you want. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir. You're here on Wednesday night. But I want to tell you, you've got all of God you want. Because God sits ready. He said, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, I'll, I'll give it to them. I'll bless them. You've got every bit of God you want. You say, well, I really want more of God. No, you don't. If you wanted more of God, you'd have more of God. God desires to bless you. We've got all of God we want. Don't get the idea that God's some tyrant and you're some hero. And if I could just persuade God to fill me with the Holy Ghost. No, the reason God can't fill us with the Holy Ghost is because we're so full of our other junk in the world already. And we've got to get rid of that junk so that the Holy Spirit of God can come in and fill us. If, if I've got a glass this full and it's got water in it, and uh, I can't use the illustration of wine because uh, that just tear y'all up. Y'all won't go home and get drunk. So I tell you what I'm gonna do. <laughs> I got a glass with water full in it, and uh, uh, but I got a pitcher over here with some of the best peach tea you've ever had in your life, and I'm gonna pour that peach tea in your glass. How much of that peach tea are you going to get? Very little. Because your glass is already full of water. Now, if I take and I empty out that water and then have an empty glass there, 
I can get the full effect of the real good peach tea. It's the same thing with our lives. People talk about, I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You know how to be filled with the Holy Ghost? Empty yourself of all of your trash and junk and worldliness and the Holy Ghost to fill you. But he can't fill you while you're already full of the things of the world. If we say, God, use me. I don't care what the world says. Let them throw rocks at the river. Remember, you can't stop no river up by throwing rocks at it. Let them throw rocks at it. Let them laugh at it. It don't make any difference. God's put just so many here for this such a time as this. And I believe with all my heart in these last days that we need to desperately be standing up for the, for the, uh, uh, for the Word of God and the Kingdom of God uh, because t- time is getting short. Time's getting short. And I want to tell you, if we don't stand up right now, it's just like Rock said the other night. He, 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 boy, he hit the nail on the head. We'll stand up for certain things and all that stuff. Why won't we stand up for the moral uh, uh, just fiber of this country? I mean, you know, I was reading uh, uh, the Lamb and Lions article today, and it reminded me of when I had a conversation with Dr. Jeffries, who will be here Monday night. But I remember four or five years ago, exactly what uh, Reagan wrote in that letter was exactly word for word what Dr. Jeffries told me. He said, these guys said, the only way you're going to get rid of all these buildings downtown Dallas, you've got to implode them. He said, we'll take dynamite and we'll put it in strategic spots and we'll blow that up. And when the structural stuff is gone, the building will fall down. And old, old Jeffrey said he was standing up there on that. CNN was there. Fox News was there. The, the stations out of Dallas was all there and the newspaper was all there. And they heard them boom, boom, boom. And he said, nothing happened. And he said, I was, I, said I, probably, I was thinking in my mind, who am I going to fire first? He said, this is going to be the biggest fiasco. I can just see the headlines. Baptist preacher's implosion, a dud. You know? And then he said, all of a sudden, within 30 seconds, everything just dropped. Can we not see... Let me tell you something, guy. Here's, let me just prophesy just a minute. And I'm no prophet. We're not going to be destroyed by a nuclear bomb. We're going to be imploded from within. Can, can no one see that when we said back in the early 60s, God, we don't want you in the schools anymore, that that has affected our education system? Can we not see that when we said, God, we don't want you praying, we don't want any more prayers anymore, God, unless there's a 9-11. Now, if there's a 9-11, we all going to gather on the courthouse square and join hands and lift hands, and we all going to pray. But as soon as the problem's over, we go right back to our regular thing again. We have had bomb after bomb over the last 30 years that have imploded and have taken the structural uh, morality out of this country. If you think that this country is going to get away with murdering 52 million babies, I'm just telling you, you're not looking at the same God I'm looking at. And I'm not talking about babies that just say, I mean, let's say we get liberal here. Let's say we get liberal. 
here's these kids and they're having sex and she's pregnant and it's been 30 days and she takes a pill and the baby's dead and we move on. All right, let's live with that. We're not talking about that. We're talking about here in America when a baby comes out and the head's not out yet, they can take the tweezers and crush that baby's head coming out of that woman and they call it an abortion. And it's legal. Don't quit worrying about North Korea. Little old bitty guys like that, they're not going to do nothing. What we better start worrying about is our implosion in America itself. Because we've sat idly by and literally let almost every one of our God-given rights be taken away from us. 